All right, here we are. So we are live. Um, I'm Logan. Drew is not with us today, um, but I, our guest today is Paul Bach. Uh, he lives in Tennessee. He's uh, been doing some great things on TikTok. And uh, recently we had a conversation uh, that I thought it was interesting and important enough for us to actually have it here on the show so that uh, um, we could edify the rest of the uh, the body of Christ. So, Paul, if you don't mind, just giving a quick description of who you are, how you came to, uh, I guess, a belief in one, like ministry is a second portion of that. And then uh, um, why do you spend so much time uh, on TikTok and other platforms sharing the gospel? So um, I was raised Christian. Uh, my father came out of Christian science, actually. My mother nice. was the daughter of a Methodist minister out in Kansas. Uh, didn't really want to go into ministry, but he was kind of pushed into it. Um, so it di didn't go too well uh, in her upbringing. Uh, that, that definitely played a, a that came through a lot in, in, uh, in my grandfather. Um, incredibly intelligent man, but definitely not. He was not called to that, if that makes sense. Uh, but uh, I was raised Christian. We moved around a lot. I uh, began as an Air Force kid, and then my dad got out, and we just continued to move as he would get uh, different jobs. Went to lots of different churches. Um, gave my life to Christ when I was very young. I, I believed the gospel when I was about seven. I remember that very distinctly. Um, but there was a lot of lack of discipleship. Um, part of it was my parents, you know, just not not understanding how to really cultivate if that makes sense. It was a lot of um, going to church. Uh, you know, you should read your Bible, you should pray, but they didn't really, they didn't have the tools and really know how, how do you actually walk this out with your kids. And so a lot of, a lot of warfare as I was growing up, um, w desiring to be close to the Lord, but not really knowing how to. And then obviously uh, the churches I was at, it just wasn't, discipleship wasn't a big thing, kind of like it isn't now in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. But, depending on the churches you go to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Depending on the churches you go to. That's, that's, a, that's, uh, that's not too broad of a statement, I hope, but um, yeah. The uh, anyways, so fast forward towers went down. My dad went back in the military. He deployed. I went into the army under an 18 X contract to go to special forces selection if possible. Did that went that direction. Um, Lots of ups and downs in my relationship with the Lord. Um, went to Fifth Special Forces Group in 07. And then just Iraq three times, one's to Afghanistan. And it was the Afghanistan trip, actually, when God really got a hold of me. Um, I, You know, I always believed in Christ. Again, there was times I was on fire. There was times I was really, like, doing the right thing. And a lot of times I wasn't. And you know how it can be in the military, man. Uh, so 27 yeah, days sure. 27 days before we came home, uh, we were down in Helmand province in 11 to 12. Uh, we were getting all the pressure plates and they did a daisy chain command dead on, on us. And they ended up shooting my buddy Joe in the ditch and launched my buddy Reg. He was our Navy EOD tech, Chad Regland. Uh, he launched him about 40 meters. We lost him. And then it took us like three weeks to get home at the end of January. It was just ridiculous, but I, it was totally God just setting that situation up. And my medic, uh, my 18 Delta said, Hey, have you, have you ever listened to learn the Bible in 24 hours? And I said, no, never heard of it. Uh, and he said, well, well we're going to listen to that. Yeah. Said, All I right. Heard so, that either. So, oh man, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, but we were sitting there playing the battle toads and emulators 
listening to Chuck Missler's learn the Bible in 24 hours. And, and I just remember saying like, no way, no way, no way. Just stuff that blew my mind. I'm like, and I was like, why have I not heard these things? Why have I not been taught these things? Um, and then got home and uh, was just drinking a lot because I, I was just fried at that point, uh, very pissed off about the trip. Um, but at the same time, I was listening to uh, one of Chuck Missler's biblical teachings, his commentaries. Was that, and, your, was that your first time being introduced to Chuck? Yeah. Like yeah, I got introduced first, to him by, I, I remember in seminary I had to do, I chose Romans as my, like one of my, my papers. It's okay. a horrible choice to choose. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Chuck helped me work my way through Romans and so did John Piper. So that's how awesome. I got introduced to Chuck. Yeah. I, I love it, man. His, his, his love for the text, you know, just, just a real respect and love for the text is why I, 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 I really appreciate his, um, his approach to the text and his challenge of like not taking anything that he says, you know, go and research it for myself. Um, and that, that really was a driving factor in a lot of things. But so I, I waxed long, but basically after that, when I was listening to one of his commentaries that I was on the process of getting out of the military and I was like, in this angst of like, okay, well, what do I do? Like, I feel like I'm called to ministry. I've always felt like I was called to ministry, but, uh, you know, I'm, I don't have a degree. I don't even know what to do at this point. And at that point, again, I was, I was just so fried and so frustrated with everything within, within the rotations. You're and, currently, uh, you're currently studying though, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You're currently, yeah. In, uh, you're getting your master's in biblical studies. I, I got, I got my master's in 2020 In 2020. Okay. Yeah. So, um, basically I w on the way to work one day, cause I, I didn't go to the ACAP meeting. I, I was literally just kind of sobbing my eyes out saying, God, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I, I, I don't know what, like what ministry are you calling me to? And he kind of hit me straight and square in the face and said, the military is your ministry. You've been living for yourself. Mm, um, and that, that man, that, that I ate that hard, uh, because I had to look and say, I had four months with or five months with Reg and I never shared Christ with him. I had five months with Dave Sonka and I never shared Christ with him. And all these opportunities I'd missed started just flooding and it, it was hard. Um, and it, but, but, but I use that as a driving force to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss that opportunity again. Like, all right, this is, this Amen. is my ministry. We're, we're going hardcore. Um, so then, uh, went to selection, uh, as a cadre. So as a special force selection cadre, um, got my bachelor's in leadership and ministry while there. Uh, my wife went through uh, leukemia, bone marrow transplant at that time too, as an answer to prayer for ministry to people with cancer. Um, so always, always make sure you're, you know what you're asking for when it comes to yep. <laughs> doing ministry because counting the cost is a, is a major, major thing. Um, but anyways, uh, so I got back from SWIC, which is special warfare center in school, uh, came back i took over uh a35 as the 18 zulu head 18 zulu which is the head operations sergeant for our company headed over to syria two weeks after we got back um same thing i did evangelistic stuff with the muslim population there our our partner forces uh discipling guys i was running the basically the chaplain because you know we don't we don't have chaplains with us out at the team houses um that's up battalion level so I was doing all that plus my op sergeant job and came back from that 
and just kind of felt God pulling my heart away from the military. And I'm like, I, I got seven years left. Like I'm locked into this contract. Like, and plus my wife's worth 2.3 mil. <laughs> Thank you. TRICARE. Uh, yep, 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 yep. I, I, I need this insurance. So through a, through a, about two month fight and a couple of people saying some very specific things to me, um, God was like, Hey man, you're, you're done. So I was like, all right, if, if you want me to stay in, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. But if you want me out, I'm ready, but you got to do it. Cause I'm locked into this contract. And three weeks later, they diagnosed me with epilepsy from all my, my brain injuries and said, you're getting no ready to retired. Yeah. So, uh, I was like, Oh, I guess, I he, guess he's going to do it. He's he going to do, do it. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, uh, are you kidding there, me? So it's like, no, Hey, you got to do serious. it because I'm locked into this contract and you know, special force specifically, like you, you're, you're needed on your team. You feel a slot that's important. Right. Yeah. It's not like anybody can just come and replace you. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, are, are you still dealing with epilepsies now? No, I, I, I'm seizure free. I've been seizure free since 2019. Wow. But what, what was crazy is my first seizure was actually on an objective in 09. We were doing a night raid North of the Hammer mountains in Beji on a flyaway on helicopters. And I fell down a wadi and I was the echo at the time. So I had the piss five, you know, that's 28 <clears throat> pounds plus my ammo on my back. And I fell down head first into about a nine foot wadi. Mm. And I didn't know it because I had my, my Iraqis with me and my Terp Elvis. And so I called Elvis up. Y'all called him Elvis? Yeah. he was we his called name Elvis? Elvis. We, we called him Elvis. Okay. It was Muhammad, but we called him Elvis. <laughs> but <Gotcha>. uh, <laughs> um, he's a good looking dude. And, and he knew it, but, um, he, uh, but he actually said that when he walked, when they pulled me out of the ditch, I was shaking really bad. I'm like, Oh, okay. But it was just interesting to look back and what I had thought was just me being exhausted. Cause you know, op tempo, man, um, you just get tired. And so I just thought these things I was experiencing was me being tired. And actually what I was experiencing was focal seizures since 09. Um, and it just, after that prayer, that's how God set it all up. It's like, all right, guess this is, uh, this is the deal. Um, wow. then my wife pushed me to get my master's in biblical studies. And I knew that was an, an opportunity and that was God calling me to ministry. And then just through different people, events, God led me to TikTok. Uh, kid I was discipling. Cause I, you know, us, man, we don't, we don't do social media. We don't like social media. We yeah, like yeah, to yeah. be, <laughs> you know, we, Everybody we like to be fake name. Yeah. We like, we like to be away from the public eye. <laughs> and so, uh, but I had a kid, I was a disciple and pushed me into it. And so, um, that was definitely a fight itself. I, I did it. I had one kind of blow up and I was like, Oh, maybe something here. And I live out in the County and I didn't have unlimited data at the time. I ran out of data and I was like, Oh, I guess I can't do TikTok. Darn. And, uh, five minutes later I had a text from Verizon. Thank you for your military service. We'd like to offer you a free upgrade to an unlimited plan. It's like, nice. Oh, I guess I'm doing TikTok. <laughs> nice. Uh, so where'd you go to, where'd you go to school for your uh, master's in uh, biblical studies? Uh, I did Carolina college of biblical studies mm -hmm. uh, for my bachelor's and then Colorado Christian university for my master's. Okay. So I, I, I enjoyed those programs. I, I wanted a program that was really focused on the text. Yeah. And that's probably why I chose. CC. So you're, you're a Biblian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a biblian. Yeah, a biblicist. <laughs> a biblicist. <laughs> a biblicist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and then from there, it's just as as God 
brings me opportunities to do ministry. I've traveled with bands as their chaplain, mentoring them, training them. Uh, that was definitely a, a change going from working with SF guys to musicians mm -hmm. and creatives. That is, you got to handle that a whole, <laughs> that's a whole different personality set. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, 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 I, so I, real quickly, if you could tell yeah. us like denominationally, where do you, where do you put yourself um, just so the viewers know? And then, yeah. Um, and then the second thing is regardless of our denominations, I think it's important for the body as a whole um, for us to develop a method at which we're discipling at the, the local church level and at the uh, uh, Catholic church level, the universal level, the, yeah. the invisible church level. So um, yeah, where, where, what kind of camp do you put yourself in? So, I mean, I'm non-denominational, you know, okay. I, I see things within each denomination I absolutely love. Like with, like, I think we talked about this, the Presbyterian church, mm -hmm. I think they're, they're the way they run their hierarchy and their accountability for their leadership. I, I love it. I think it's phenomenal. I think there's so much that, that is lacking in a lot of churches that they hold very, very well with that. Um, you know, there's, there's good things in everything, right. And there's bad things in everything. Um, it's kind of, but I, I don't necessarily, I was never raised in any single one. We, my parents always tried to take us where they felt the Bible was taught, if that makes sense. And so I never really was raised in a specific one and I don't identify necessarily with any specific. Where do you I love go now? Uh, so right now we're going to a church called Awaken and I believe they're actually tied with Calvary Chapel out of, okay. um, out of uh, Cali. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Once you get those like uh millennial type names, Awaken, next step yeah yeah, next yeah. <laughs> techno church it's, <laughs> it's been interesting to watch man because um actually so so we didn't go there when the prior we actually started going there when the the prior pastor had left and i think it was the associate pastor i'm not 100 sure but this guy uh took over um i don't know the whole story about how it all came about i know that it wasn't a lot of people not happy about it but uh from the standpoint of how certain things went down um Clarksville's got a problem where churches are very personality driven and pastors are very personality driven and they want to be the guy. Uh, but as you know, with that, with that Moses model, the problem is, is that the, the sheep don't get fed. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's what, that's one thing I was, I was listening to Chuck <laughs> Smith teach on Ephesians one time and he was talking about how he had, you know, he always had this evangelistic sermon that he was prepped to teach. And he would just beat his sheep because it's the same sheep every Sunday. He's like, but then I started to actually feed the sheep. And then the sheep got strong. And then they went out and did the ministry. Yes. And, it, you know, really and it, talking about that Ephesians 4, right? The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And it's such a vital thing. And I, I really appreciate Francis Chan talking about that in, in his one book. Or it might have been just one of his sermons. I can't remember. But talking about how he he had this realization, all these people have gifts that are okay. meant for ministry, and they're all coming just to hear mine. What are we doing? Before I understood um, the church history behind why we do church the way we do, right? Why is there a pulpit? Why 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 do we stand? Why do we have yeah. a choir? Um, I because of Francis Chan's, I, I believe that sermon, I. I wanted to redesign how, if I ever was in charge of a church, how I wanted it to look right in, in, in my, my, I even wrote a paper on this for, uh, uh, my master's 
the, my professor didn't really like it too much. Right. <laughs> um, but it was, it was, it was just uh, tables, right. A hall, just, yeah. a, just a, a giant open room with tables. And at each table I had like an elder or deacon. Yeah. Right? And we had curriculum and they would yeah. lead them and it would start off with me, like whoever's the pastor, right. Leading in prayer, um, obviously doing some worship and then everyone sitting down at their tables and then just going over the curriculum until they got it, you know, yeah. and we would do that week after week. Now that isn't the formal uh, way that we would do church today. And there's reasons why we have, uh, depending on it, how you believe in sacraments and the, and the call to worship and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. But I still think we need to be doing something like that. Maybe on a Wednesday night, right. Um, yeah. Where, where people are being fed to not just, be passive believers, you know? Yeah. So, so my question to you, two of them really is, so what is discipleship? And then what does that look like? Yeah. So, you know, when, when it comes to that and, you know, don't get me wrong. I hope I didn't come across as saying, I, I don't like the Sunday gathering. I think that's, that's a no, I, no, no, you didn't. I, yeah, okay, I okay, didn't good, at good. one point. I wanted to change the way America gotcha. did church. Yeah. Right. Cause Francis Chan was talking about like, you know, there's people gathered in these in these underground rooms in China and there's no yeah. standing up and preaching. It's just them and just studying the word of God as a, yeah. as a collective group. And I was like, why, why do we do it the way we do? You know? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's a benefit, but I think that there's also something to be said about, Hey, why don't we get together more? You know, why mm-hmm. aren't we getting together at five in the, you know, when you have a church churches yeah. at gatherings in China, that four 30 in the morning, every morning are willing to get together. I see that. And I see hunger. Yeah. Why aren't we willing to do that? You know what I mean? We're comfortable. You know exactly yeah, why. Exactly. There's no. It's not. It's not pressing. I can. Yeah. I, I can. I can yeah. honor Jesus tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. I'll still be here tomorrow. We take it for granted. You know exactly yep. why. Yeah. And so, so discipleship. You know, for me, Paul says the things. I mean, let me pull it up real quick. In Second uh, Timothy, uh, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, you know, and, and so there's this idea of replication. Yeah. And when we look at discipleship and, and training and teaching, that's how I, the way I view it is really from an unconventional warfare mindset, uh, following UW and anybody that's not familiar with UW, um, unconventional warfare. It's, let me pull up this definition real quick. If I can get my, my mouse to work. The uh, UW is defined as activities conducted to enable a resistance movement or insurgency to coerce, disrupt, or overthrow a government or occupying power by operating through or with an underground auxiliary and guerrilla force. Now, obviously, we're not going to overthrow the world powers. It ain't going to happen. I hope so. Right. <laughs> but I hope we do. I'm a, I'm a theonomist, by the way. So I hope to one day have a complete world government that is governed by the like Christian values. Okay. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to happen until Jesus comes back, but that's just right. my view. That's just my view. Even, but, even if we could get away with it, right? Like Exactly. Exactly. But so, so your auxiliary is that's your population that is on a clandestine, it's providing clandestine support to the guerrilla force. So that's your supporting elements, right? Your guerrilla mm-hmm. force, that's your more uh, open organized military group, uh, your paramilitary, they're running paramilitary operations in denied and enemy held territory. And then your underground, that is your clandestine units 
Define clandestine. Uh, that's your more secretive, right? Amongst the populations, mm-hmm. um, they're those are the the ones that are they go in the areas that are inaccessible to the gorillas. So, for example, right, I cannot go to Logan's work, but Logan can go to Logan's work, mm-hmm. and and within Logan's workplace, there is a mission field. And while he may not be able to stand up on his desk and enunciate the gospel, he can look for those opportunities to sow seeds, to share the gospel, to find the other brethren, encourage them, right? So, so there's always looking for those opportunities to, to sow seed and water and to minister the gospel. Um, discipleship, I think, uh, is equipping people to be able to do this, right? I, I, I look at it as a, as a multi-step process. Uh, one, why, why do you need to do this? Why are you, you know, what are you, what are you as a Christian called to? Right. And, and when we look at it from a mission statement standpoint, Jesus gave two mission statements, preach the gospel and disciple the nations. Um, I know some translations have the word make disciples, but the word make is not in the Greek. It specifically says disciple the nations, teach them, train them. Um, and so with that, I think it's, it's always a, why do, what are we called to, Right why do we need to do this? You know, and, and I think that the first thing that I always hit people with is because Jesus is worthy of it, right? He, God withheld nothing from us. And you look at the depths and the extent of, and the cost to redeem us to himself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, amazing. And so it's like it, an idea of, is he not worthy of it? And, and, and out of a love like that, he loved us first. Right. And so yep. we reciprocate that love through our actions and, and obedience and loving others with the love that he had. Right. And sharing, you know, sharing the truth of the gospel. And then, um, so we've got that, what we're called to, why we should carry that out and then equipping them, you know? So if you look at it as a process cake, you may not know anything, but you know, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Boom. So let, so let's sit down and like, can you share that? Yeah. Can you at least share the gospel? I mean, I like way of the master, obviously that is, I think it's just a simple way to share the gospel that also discusses sin, why we need the savior. And, and, and it's one that people can lock onto. It's not the only way to evangelize, but I, the reason I like it is because people seem to be able to pick it up quickly. Um, you know, but at the same time, I also talk about, you know, allowing the spirit to, to speak. Cause sometimes as you're witnessing to people, you just have a sense, Hey, I need to share this with them specifically. And it's a convicting word from the Lord. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so it, so- it sounds like it within your discipleship, you're, you're making, um, evangelist immediately, or is it, is it their time? Like if you, if you were to bring someone the yeah. gospel, they're transformed, regenerated, boom, they're born again. Um, are they going through a process within as, as one of your disciples to learn more? They, they hit in the streets immediately and just sharing their testimony. It means, so it kind of depends on the person, right? I do definitely, you know, it depends on the person, but not everybody is an evangelist, right? But everybody is called to evangelism. So I want you at least prepared so that if opportunity arises, you can Mm. at least sow those seeds, right? Um, because not everybody is called to go hit that street corner, right? Again, like my father, my, my dad has been called to the business world. That's what he's done. 
but he has always found opportunities to share Christ with people yeah, in, in some very unique ways. Um, and, and he, but the, you know, that is when you're talking that level of the corporate world, I mean, that is, you, that's, that's very specific, right? Uh, a, a very specific mission field. And you have to be very discerning on, on when and how you share the gospel and, and when you have those conversations and, you know, praying over that God sets those up, but he's prepared to have that conversation. And so, uh, on that standpoint, it's like, basically like, can you share the gospel when opportunity arises? And one of the things that I have them do is, uh, write down names, like write down five to 10 names of people that, you know, that need to hear this. And the reason is because that puts that really, that makes the shoe pinch because it's not just some nameless, faceless person. I don't know that mm. needs to hear the gospel. Yeah. It's, Hey, the, these are people I know and love. Yep that need Christ, that I'm not, that they're going to spend an eternity apart from God. And while it's between them, whether or not they accept the gospel, that's whole between them and God. I cannot make them right. We can't force anybody to convert, but I am still responsible to give them what they need in the knowledge, you know, cause Ezekiel talks about, you know, Paul, Paul says in acts 20, I am free from the blood of all men. It's a very interesting statement. Yeah. You know, but he says, because I have not shunned to preach to you the whole counsel of God. Well, that is a call back to Ezekiel. The watchtower. Yeah, 13. Yep. Where we learn that God will require the blood of the unsaved at the hands of the saved if we do yeah. not warn them. So, you know, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty scary thing when you know to really think about it. You know, when we actually look at what Christians are called to, and the fact that you know it. I don't think it's going to be the nicest thing and the best thing when you stand before the Lord and you see everything that you could have done for him and everything you did sitting on your laurels. You know, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of disappointment and pain. I think it's going to be a painful thing uh, to, to yeah. look back at, at the way, the ways we've missed it. Um, you hear that then, Calvinist? Y'all hear that? <laughs> Let's get out there. Let's preach the word. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then, and then from there it's, uh, it's really driving towards, um, you know, getting to know the text. Uh, you know, I, I think, and that's where I, I'll, I'll introduce, like usually learn the Bible after we walk through these things. Um, I'll, I'll walk them through, learn the Bible in 24 hours and have them walk through it because I want them at least familiar enough with the text to where they can start growing because it, I mean, it's, it's the word of God. I mean, it's so central to our walk and, you know, the, we talked about the other day, it's, it's our sword, you know? Yeah. So you, you mentioned the other day, and I think we both have the same model. And I don't know if that's just because the military has designed that model for us, but I've always seen discipleship as this, excuse me. Um, I've always seen discipleship as I'm not, I'm training two levels down, three levels down, right? I'm teaching someone how to teach someone to teach yeah. someone. Right. Yeah. And, and they're, does they're creating, um, that chain of of trainers right that train yep. the trainer model um, yep. as much as possible so currently um i mean ha how many people do you have that you are discipling and that i mean how many of them are actually discipling others as much as possible because at the moment um i i am not discipling anybody actively it's very passive yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of i had a men's group at one point and just time and just things got in the way and we just kind of 
everybody's out working, but I'm not actively discipling them. Yeah. Like I thought. Right. So now I just have my congregation that I'm fully focused on. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I need to take time, not just to preach the word and just, just disciple or, or yeah. just preach and just worry about the congregation, but I need to disciple individuals. And I, my, currently my focus, as soon as the new year starts is I'm going to work on my men in my church as much as possible. That's solid. That's good. right. And I'm going to focus heavily on them. And I feel like from there, the women and children, um, will, will follow suit. So, but yeah. Um, how many people you got discipling? What's that look like in your life? I'd say is it, for is it working out one family, four or five. Yeah. It, it's working out. You know, there's been successes and failures over the years. Um, the band was a hard one to, that was, that was, that was a hard one. Um, two of the guys were just solid and, and I'm still discipling uh, one of them and his family. Um, but that, that was, you know, sometimes people just don't submit, you know what I mean? They just, that, that call to the world. Um, some, so some successes, some failures, uh, as far as what it looks like, you know, it really is where, where they're at within their walk with Christ. You know, um, I had this one guy, uh, getting out of the military, very, very, uh, raised hardcore Pentecostal. Um, so when he joined the military, he was like, I'm going the complete opposite way of this and I'm going to have some fun. And he dude was a freaking hedonist, uh, got into Reiki, got into all the spiritual stuff. And then obviously okay. with PTSD, yeah, then, you know, with PTSD and all the, this stuff, he's oh. trying to help guys and help them with the Reiki and, and find peace. And he's like, I'm trying to give some them something I don't even have. Um, and so he came to the Lord uh, last year. And so he so came back. Been, yeah, or- came back to the Lord. Yeah. 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 And, um, but, but just totally went on fire for God and, and just pursuing the word, seeking, um, finding out, you know, what is his mission and his calling. And I think that's part of discipleship is really saying, okay, what, what is God calling you to? What is he laying on your heart? You know, is he still is, Pentecostal? No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. If you, if you're, if you're Pentecostal, um, stop i'm just kidding no there's nothing wrong just uh, don't be oneness that's all i ask yeah um but he uh so but now he's got a, uh he's got a job and it was it was so cool uh at his job he found a, a a bracelet that was just on the ground dirty and it said something about i can't remember something about the lord and the big man one of the big high ups was visiting their plant came in saw that said are you man of faith he said i am sir he said interesting meet me tomorrow. And so he went, met like this, this very high up person. And he said, shut the door. And for two hours, the guy basically walked him through how you disciple and witness to people in the corporate environment. No kidding. Yeah. It was two hours. Yep. Yep. To train him how to do it was so cool, man. So, so that's the, so it's been really neat to see how God's just ordered his steps. Um, I've got one guy that I'm, I'm working on right now out of Florida. Uh, he's within, he's in the special operations community. Actually, I've been discipling him for a couple years. It's been a Red hard England. one. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. He's down at seventh. Um, yeah. He was at Tampa running special activities. Um, but that, that has been. That's what CENTCOM, right? Tam- mm-hmm. CENTCOM's in Tampa. Uh, yes. Yes. I believe so. They're like I believe headquarter so. support stuff. Yeah. Yep. I almost got but, sent there. <laughs> people like it people like yeah. it down there once they go down there they don't they don't tend to leave so but he's he's one that's been an interesting case and that actually kind of goes into he's the one that kind of brought me into the whole uap thing because he called me 
as I've, you know, I've been disciple. He came out of Seventh Day Adventism, and so him going special forces, he was, you know, renounced and denounced by the church um, because he's not a, a pacifist. Yeah. However, um, and then he's done, you know, given the nature of some of the missions he's done and the programs he's created and been a part of, there's a lot with that that you know can go on spiritually um, that can be very difficult to bring the two worlds together. And that's where a lot of guys, as, as I'm sure you know, they have that just ability to strip, remove their, their conscious from themselves and kind of just do what needs to be done um, in order yeah. to complete the mission. I want to talk about that a little bit. Cause that, that right there is proof to me that there is a God, right? Cause no amount of empathy and the atheists will say like that, that, you know, empathy is the reason why, you know, it's hard for us to, you know, kill one another. I think it's more than that, right? God's law has been written on our hearts and we see that there is in, like, like intrinsic value in individuals and we know it. Right. And so when, when we go through like things like war, it's hard for a reason, right? It, it's not easy. Yeah. There's a reason we sob when we lose somebody we love. Um, yeah, man. I, I think that in and of itself is evidence for like that metaphysical reality that's beyond ourselves. Yeah. Well, that law, that law written in the hearts, you know what I mean? And it was interesting going through because I used to be a very, very sensitive person. Like, I mean, I remember I couldn't, it, it was funny because I actually, I could barely hunt because I, it was, I didn't like to hurt things. And it was interesting to see that change in me over the years in, in the nature of what I did. And it, and you just lose it. I mean, and you just, it's this very weird thing where you just learn to compartmentalize stuff and it's like, Oh, you, you develop a very dark sense of humor and you develop a, a not a disgust for humanity, but just uh, like whatever, you know what yeah. I mean? You, you yeah, really, yeah, yeah. you really harden yourself to on, on that empathetic side. And it's just, it's this weird thing then where you have to become with some of the things, depending on what your mission set is like, where you have to almost make yourself enjoy it. Yep. And, and it, it's just, it's, it's so interesting. And that was, that was an, a very interesting thing to look back and, and see how God has really not healed me, but allows me to have empathy and, and care for people in a way that I had lost for so long. But I think it goes back to your point very well. The reason you have to do that is because we recognize within ourselves the intrinsic value and the image of God mm -hmm. on other, on humanity, you know, we really do. Like, I don't know how people can deny that because that that's, it's more than empathy. It's so much yeah. more than empathy. Yeah. Um, all right. So we got, um, we got a command from Christ to disciple. We have, um, a love for our brothers is why we disciple, um, where, where would you put the American church right now? Capital, like the uh, the capital C, right? The invisible church, the actual body of Christ. How would you rate them in their discipleship on a scale of like one to 10? And then why is it so important for us now more than ever to start discipling? Is there things going on within our government? Or is there things going on yeah. within? Um, I know you're pre-millennial, right? So that kind of your eschatology kind of uh, gives a, more pressing like hey we need to we need to disciple and evangelize as much as possible right um 
and not not the post mill or all mill don't right but I, I have i have a very optimistic view like i want to evangelize yeah. the world so that we're all christians right yeah <laughs> um um but is is there is there is there a reason why we need to be doing this more um for lack of a better word uh, like strictly like well should we really be focusing on is there such a great falling away right now from christianity is what is it for you that you think that you know, discipleship needs to be my number one priority yeah so one again it goes back to i mean it really goes back to the primary mission statement of why okay. he told us to you know what i mean and and if if god loved them if god loved us enough to die for us to send his son, you know, and they are headed for an eternity apart from him. Like, I think it was a uh, Penn Jillette who said it best. How much hatred do you have to have for me to truly believe I'm headed to an eternity apart from God and oh, not share that, that with me? I'm preaching on that. You know what I mean? Sunday. You're stealing it from me. <laughs> but, but, it, but it's the truth, right? Like again, and that's where, you know, lose looking back and, and seeing how I didn't even give Reg the opportunity to know Christ. Mm. You know, I, I didn't give it to Dave. It's like, who am I to withhold this from them? How dare I, you know? And how, again, like, it's just that, do we really, does Christ mean so little to us? Does a sacrifice mean so little to us that we're not willing to actually share this with those other people? You know, do we really believe that they are headed for an eternity apart from him? Cause if we really did, if we really took time to meditate on, on the reality of what that entails, that cost is to not accept Christ. Like, man, like it, it should drive us, whether you're post pre doesn't really matter. Right. right? It, 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 the fact is God told us to, and he's worthy of our obedience and we should have the love that, that he has for those people in us. Mm -hmm. And we should then take that to the world. Um, so it, as far as the American church goes regarding discipleship, I, I know the last, the last major, uh, I forget survey I saw, I think it was only 5% of people are actively being discipled and discipling, but about 28% of the church is involved in discipleship. Now that, how does that look? Obviously that there were some criteria that it had to meet, but it, as you know, sometimes it's very general. Um, we could be going through a book together. We could be doing, but, um, when it comes to, again, how, how the Christian life is discussed in the New Testament, there's always, there's such, so much talk about warfare and equipping and training, you know, and, and this is where I think that the materialistic humanism has really invaded the church. You got to write a book on that, my brother. <laughs> but you got to just, but, but you know what I mean? Like we act as if there's no actual spiritual warfare going around us. You know, oh my gosh, my family's going nuts right before we get ready for church. Every Sunday, stuff just goes haywire. I don't know. It could be spiritual warfare. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I mean, but the, it goes into so many different areas. Uh, and the one thing that when you're overseas, comfort and you, well, even in the military, you know this, comfortability breeds complacency, which breeds apathy, which gets people killed, which, um, gets people killed basically because your head's not on a swivel. You're not paying attention and, and the details will get you killed. You know, uh, I remember ODA five, seven, four, they were uh, dropping bombs and 
they JTAC, I think it was, I think it was their JTAC. I can't remember, but had to change the batteries out for the GPS. What happens with the GPS when you change batteries out? You have to completely reprogram it. Resets right? right on your, and it resets on your location. Yep. So he's calling bombs in, change the battery, pops up, calls in the bomb. Bombs go right there. Bombs, I think he killed like three dudes on the OBA. Are you one 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 stupid little detail? One little detail. White, you know, killed three dudes. And you know, when we look at our life as Christians, when we look at the reality of what is really going on around us, the fact that we are in warfare, Ephesians 6, right? We wrestle, um, we we fight against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age. Like in Corinthians, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. You know, yeah. there, there's this constant idea of polemics, you know, uh, wage the warfare. Paul talks about this. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. He didn't say I have taken the long vacation, <laughs> you know? And so when, when we, I think part of discipleship, when we look at the American church is that we, we are comfortable, we're complacent, yeah. you know, we go through some hard things, but you know, it, that's just like, do we? Do yeah, we, you know, well, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, compared to others, no, like, yeah, because I, I'll tell you, man, like I, I'm all for, there was a, a bill being pushed in California that would outlaw Christianity in any public square, uh, like schools, libraries, um, city halls, governments. Um, and they even, when Joe Biden took office, uh, this 22 page, like, um, bill was sent to his office to be signed off on right and it basically was like the most christian phobic like document you could think of right yeah. for those that don't believe christian phobia is a thing it's it's a real thing it's a thing it's a real thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but i'm like i'm like looking at this and i'm like that would be the healthiest thing to happen to the american church Very for it to be so. outlawed for them to try and take our bibles right because I, this will be the first year is, that I've ever voted for a president, right? Because when I was in the military, I didn't really take time. I always had to do like, you know, my long distance ballot and just, yep. it, it's just, I was just annoyed with the whole process, yeah. right? Um, but if they were to ever like look at me and say, you know, you can't vote over my dead body. Yeah. Right? That's my right. Well, like you, hey, now we're going to take your Bible. Well, I better have it memorized then. Yeah. Right? Like I'll have it, I'll have it, I'll have it memorized by tomorrow morning. Don't you worry. You know what I mean? Like we, we take it for granted. That's that apathy. That's that complacency, yeah. right? Our comfortability, our, our, our laissez-faire like attitude towards um, just Jesus in general. We take the crucifixion for granted. Yeah. We take the incarnation for granted, man. Yeah. Santa has replaced Jesus. Like the birth of the living God. That's crazy. Benjamin Franklin said, we know the worth of water when the well is dry. You know, and, and we have the Bible at our fingertips at all times. And right now, the average American spends two and a half to three hours, two and a half to five hours. I think it's an average of like three hours a day on social media. Mm. It takes an average of about 65 to 70 hours to read through the whole Bible. Yeah. I mean, that, that means that every Christian, if they were to get rid of social media, which you're just doom scrolling anyway, right. 
Yeah. And let me, let me say something about that real yeah, quick. Ahead, so like for, for you Christians that are on it, like, Oh, well, at least I'm, at least I'm talking and, you know, sharing the gospel and I'm doing Christian like content and I'm hanging out with other believers on social media. You're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. You're absolutely wasting your time, right? You're, you're not giving God his actual like priority, like his due in your life. And you're, you're, you're substituting it with these Christian things. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Please be be on different platforms, be on social media. But after you have spent time with the Lord, after you have done the necessary work to build your relationship, to be, be secure right in yourself, to know that you have fought the good fight, that you have done all the right things. Because I, I mean, I'll tell you, man, I see people all the time and they quite literally have just like taking TikTok is TikTok Christianity as gospel, right? And it's mainly just us on there fighting, anyways, right? So I, I just want to take a moment and be like, look, you you need to be in your word before you get on social media as much as possible. Like three hours is that really the average? Yeah, it, that, that's hours? the average. That that means every Christian, if they were to switch, they could read their whole Bible once a month, on average. That's I mean that that's a hard go to sit for two hours straight and read your Bible. Like, yeah. you know, it, it is, yeah. but, but the reality of, again, it goes back to, you know, what, what really matters, you know, Jesus in the letter to the Ephesian uh, speaking to the Ephesian church, he says, you know, you've done these great things, but you've left your first love. You know, yeah. Jesus wants to be one on a list of one. And, and it's, it's been interesting as I, as I've gone and grown and matured, seeing those times where I'm, I'm doing, but I can tell when I haven't spent that time in intimacy with him. Mm. I think it was Martin Luther said, I have so much to do some days that I cannot help, but spend at least three hours a day in prayer. You know, the reality that we can't do it without him. And, and if this vertical is not right, then nothing else is going to be right. Um, DL Moody in his book, um, not prevailing prayer, um, secret power, uh, great book. If you've never read D.L. Moody's book, Secret Power, that is a phenomenal book. And he talks about the need to be filled because we're leaky vessels. And he's like, you know, most Christians are 55 gallon barrels walking around with a half inch of water. You know, we're, we're not getting under the fountain and being and just allowing him to fill us, spending that time with him daily. And, and there's the, the need for that, that intimacy, really. And it's it's just to help us to I die to that. ourselves yeah. so Christ can live through. Um, but back to your question and, and why it matters so much, you know, yes, there is the warfare we're in, but also there's, there's some major stuff coming down the pipe that's going to affect the church within our government. Um, you know, they've got like what, uh, so they, it hasn't come out. I won't be surprised if they don't come out, but they've got nukes pointed at us out in South America right now. They moved a bunch down there. Um, China and some pointed others. at us. Yes. Pointed at us. Sweet. Um, it, always you're not going to hear about this stuff, but it's the reality. Um, I'm sure by now that everybody listening, if, unless you got your head buried in the sand, this whole UAP unidentified aerial phenomenon, UFO stuff is coming out, you know, 10 years ago, you would have never heard these things. And anybody that brought it up would have been considered a crackpot. Mm -hmm. And what's crazy is that there were certain, there are voices that have been saying, Hey, this, did you be aware of this as Christians? And they were mocked. They were ridiculed. Right? They were ignored. That's that crazy person. Well, now, now it's coming out. And if you, if you notice, if you look at 
what they've done. They really ran, ran a drip campaign over the last you know 10 years Yeah, where we just release a bit more information. And then we start, oh, hey, this guy saw something. And hey, he's going to go on this news network and it'll be one little story and then we're going to go away. And, what and then he'll is, sit in front of Congress. Yeah, and testify exactly. that he found non-human biologics in a in a crash. And you're yeah. just like, come on, man. Yeah, and and really, what this is the reason this is coming out now is because it is real. However, it it is not intergalactic aliens from some other planet, or as Stephen Greer believes, they are just these beings that have a higher consciousness. Now, what you need to understand, and if anybody has looked into the UAP UFO thing. And you maybe have heard Stephen Greer, maybe you haven't. I would definitely look him up. And I would watch his, and I would recommend you watch his documentary called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Why? Because in it, he discusses how he contacts these beings and how the people that he, that join him in this contact them. And basically what they do is they do remote viewing and transcendental meditation and astral projection. And you've met so, this man, haven't you? Yeah, I, I uh, so... My one buddy brought me into a program. So basically a couple years ago, it was about two years ago, he's, he asked me my, my thoughts on, on some things on this phenomenon. And I said, I think it's completely demonic uh, due to my research that I've done because I did a deep dive into eschatology like 10 years ago mm-hmm. and it somehow this popped into it. So he said, okay, well, just so you know, this isn't even a... Uh, read on program anymore. I'm seeing it just come across TS. And just so anybody that doesn't know within security clearances, you have top secret, then you have um, special access programs that you have to get read on to that not everybody with a top secret clearance can read. You have to get additional um, clearances for that. Well, he's like, I'm seeing these reports come just straight across TS, just across top secret. It's not even on a read on program. And so that led him into what do I do with this? God, where do you want me to go? And what do you want me to do? And God opened tons of doors for him. Uh, he ended up meeting Stephen Greer. He's spoken with congressmen. He's there's doors open for him that only God could open. And you, anybody that is really involved in ministry understands that how that works when God is just opening things and just you're, you're following the green lights and you're like, I don't know how this is working, but it's working. Um, so, so basically, um, Stephen Greer, and this is what the met, the general message is. Uh, he's been on Joe Rogan. He's been on Sean Ryan. He's been on the redacted podcast. Obviously Joe Rogan is very interested in aliens. So these are voices, uh, that are not saved that, that do believe these things are out there. Now evidence is coming out that they're out there. Our government is we're we're at soft, we're at what is called soft disclosure. So disclosure is where the government actually comes out and says, these are real. This is what's been going on. We're at soft disclosure where they haven't officially stated it, but that's why all this information is coming out in a sense, if that makes sense. Um, So these entities, uh, when they started, there was a couple things that happened when they really started coming about. Uh, One was the reestablishment of Israel in 1948 and also World War II with the Nazis. Um, We know for a fact that the SS was a very occultic very occultic unit. Um, and they were doing just straight evil things. Well, they brought a lot of those scientists and people over here under operation paperclip. That's, that's, that's just, that's declassified information. We we know this. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
And then uh, if you go back and research. It's because of their scientists. The, we came up with the atom bomb before anybody it, else. Yeah, exactly. Um, and but Einstein. When, when you look at the people that have been in contact with these quote unquote, you know, alien races, um, it's always been through new age means. Like I said, remote viewing, transcendental meditation, uh, astral projection, and the messages that they cut, that they send back are that they're receiving are very similar. Um, and it's been the same thing over the centuries uh, or over the decades. I apologize. And then, but Greer, what's interesting is Greer, um, he trains people in this, in doing this, and they have videos and pictures of these entities showing up and they've had people healed by them. And the general message is continuing though, that, Hey, they're here to help us with the next stage of evolution. And we're with, we're withholding, right. Uh, by not allowing this to come out, we're withholding our, our movement towards better technology, free energy, higher consciousness. Um, the Catholic church, actually their stance on this is that when we make contact with the aliens, they will evangelize us. We will evangelize them. However, we will have to determine whether or not they are fallen. If we determine that they are not fallen, they would have a higher understanding of the truth than we do. So we'd have to take the new data and apply it to our theology. And so, by the way, he means Rome and yeah. Yeah. The Vatican, yeah, just the Vatican quick. stance. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, <clears throat> so we did a whole episode on like, let's say there are extraterrestrials, like real, like things, right? And then we, you know, we go into the whole idea. Well, what do they look like? Are they made yeah. in the Imago Dei? Do they have their own Jesus on their planet? Right? Because yeah. then Jesus isn't the way, the truth, the life. I guess he's just the way, the truth, the life for us. Or is our Jesus the Jesus who redeems right. all of creation, including extraterrestrials? Right? This it gets muddy real quick, right? Yeah, it does. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Um, and so. To contact them again, it's through occultic means. Now, when I was at, um, and and it, this is the whole thing. Like we're, if you watch the the cycle of our country, right? For a while, it was the new atheists, right? Dawkins, all those guys. Like there is no God, just materialistic humanism. There's nothing. Well, then people have kind of found that wanting, and they're like, well, there there is more. There's possibly more. Then they're searching, right? We see. Again, through guys like Rogan, all of this stuff, these talking about these entities that they meet on DMT trips. And I, and I find it interesting that, you know, DMT and drugs and hallucinogenics are really becoming a major, major thing within our culture. Actually, uh, for special operations, for PTSD treatment, we can get free, we can do free DMT trips. They can take us to a place and they'll run us through like DMT and Ibogaine and all this other stuff for free. And people that have obviously done this are meeting entities, right? And so it's just, when you look at spiritually where we are as a people, we're ready for this. That's why this is coming out now. Um, we, I had a discussion with a guy a little while ago and the question was, you know, this was fought against so hard by those in the government about not coming out. Why is it coming out now? And it's like, well, the old guards died and the spiritually, I don't think the nation was ready for it. But I think spiritually now, our nation really is and the world in a sense is ready for this to come out. And it, from a strategic standpoint from Satan's and as far as deception goes, I think that we're ready for it. Yeah, man, I've even seen that where like, I'll argue with people like on TikTok or other platforms and, and not in a, like an aggressive way. Right. But where yeah. I'm like, you know, talking about Christianity 
oh, I'm an atheist and you know the, what their what their zodiac sign is and that they're you know they're very like into meditation and yoga yep. <laughs> it's like what pick one yeah. right? is it is it yeah. materialism or is is there a spiritual aspect to this yeah and yeah. i think thank god that they're not as consistent in their actions as they are as they preach they are um yeah i think everyone has a has a understanding of a spiritual portion to us. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I could see, I, I mean, I, I see people who are quote unquote spiritual all the time, right. That new age stuff. Yeah. It just opens the door for them to just accept this. Like I can meditate and talk to aliens and yep. they're going to tell me what to do with my life and give me purpose. Yeah. Good luck. Well, and, and when I was at Greer's, so I, I, you know, I'm not, I am by, I am the farthest from, the uh, hardcore demonic outcasting, what do they call it? Deliverance ministry stuff. Like those frustrate me so much, partly because I've actually dealt with that stuff overseas, you know, and had interactions with people that were literally possessed. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, so, so <laughs> you ain't doing that stuff that they're doing, it, it, you know, to that it's anyways, that's a whole nother rant for me. Um, but when I was at Greer's, it was interesting because I had a, a dream, a very, but it was, it was more than a dream. Something appeared to me and it, it basically just said, you, you can have anything you want. And it, I don't remember the rest of what it stated, but I just felt very strongly. I just need to, in my dream, re reject this in Jesus name. And as I was trying to, in my dream, this thing was getting visibly perturbed and just started saying, careful, careful. And like, Hey, don't, don't you dare say that. So I, I pulled myself awake and this was about three in the morning and then something jumped on me in the bed and covered my mouth up. And I was, I was physically fighting in the dark to get out the name of Jesus and tell whatever it is to leave. Um, and this is where it gets a little crazy. I went back to sleep after that. I spent time in prayer in worship, went back to sleep. And then this, this entity appeared to me, it was about 12, 15 feet tall. The next night I had the same dream, but I was back at Greer's place, but he was like a dead body and he was completely black and he was in the corner. And this thing was just staring at me. So the next night you're not at Greer's, but in your right, dream at, you're at Greer's. Yeah. Yeah. I was back at his place, uh, and in Virginia and I, this, this entity that it was like this 15 foot thing. So you were back at his place and then it happened again. Yeah, in my dream. It happened yeah. while you were there. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And, and what it was is a woman was staring at me and then somebody would pass by and it just turned into this thing. And so uh, right after I got physically attacked, I had this thing appeared to me and I just thought it was okay. I just had this crazy experience. But then the next night when I was back home in my dream, I was back at Greer's and it happened again and the same entity was there. And I look over and I, I just remember this thing like it was it was threatening, but it was, it was different. And so I was just in my dream, just like, you know, I'm, I'm bought by the blood of Jesus. You can't touch me. You have no right to me. I'm not scared of you. Um, and I look over and, and anybody that's seen a dead body, like that's sitting, it has a very specific look versus one that's lying down. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what he looked like. And he was completely black. And so I called my buddy, who's the director of this program I'm in dealing with this stuff. And he, I told him, I said, Hey man, this, this happened. This is, this is, this is kind of weird. 
you know, this is definitely not normal for me. Um, and what he told me, cause he was kind of taken aback for a second. He said, well, throughout the conversation, Stephen was saying, kept saying, uh, over the weekend that if anybody tries anything, cause it was asked, well, you know, if, if this stuff is true, if the deep black is true, why aren't you dead? And he kept saying, well, because if something happens to me, they're, they're taken care of instantly. They're, they're, they can't do that. They can't touch me. Well, so my buddy asked me, asked him, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I've got about 12 of these entities that surround me constantly. And what I saw in my dream was what Stephen had described to him. And, and so there, when you look at Stephen, he, he, he's very convinced that he has chosen to, to teach people this and to help guide us into this next stage of, of evolution, communication with these things that just, just want to help us, want to help us save the planet. Want to, I mean, it's, it, it is completely deceptive and completely demonic. And the it's reason spirit of antichrist is what that the, is. The reason that the church needs to be up on this from a standpoint of just knowing what, what this is actually what it is. And then giving answers for it is because if we don't, we're going to be reactive mm. and people are going to go searching, even people within our congregations and they're going to find Stephen and Stephen's got answers. He's got people getting healed by these things, you know, it, it, and that's, that's the thing is like, it's, what is it like a, like a pinch of medicine is worth a pound of cure or whatever, something like that. And, and, and so we really need to be proactive understanding that the world that we're moving towards is not the world we have known both in warfare because we don't know how this is going to play out in 2024. We have multiple cells of military age males, Chinese Syrians back in 2012, we had at least 13 Muslim uh, training camps for extreme Muslims in our, in our country that we were tracking and, and they're, they're just militia training camps for males, Islamic males. I mean, they're here. You know, and, and so what we're the stage of the world that we are moving into is not necessarily going yeah. to be a pretty one. And it's just kind of waiting Way for to go thing FBI. To yeah, I know. Right. And, and, and what, what kind of sucks is because like, and that's the thing that sucks about Intel is because it's like we can give our best guess on what's going to happen. We can't necessarily, you know, you can say when possibly, you know, depending on what information you're gathering. But we look at all this and we see just this torrent of just chaos on so many fronts. And it's like, look, we. We're really not ready for this on a lot of stages. And this is why I think discipleship is so important because what happens if they do another lockdown? You, what happens if the grid goes down? You, you're going to, you're going to YouTube into your favorite church when you got no yeah. internet, you know, what about gathering and growing together and being a body, you know, and this is where I, I think it's so important to, again, approach it from the mindset that, uh, that we do in the military. The operational environment is changing, but the mission yeah. doesn't change. But we need to adapt to that new operational environment in order to carry out the mission. And that means we've got to equip people. That means you got to you can't sit on your laurels anymore. It means that you, as a Christian, you know you you raised your hand. You know, that's why I love what Chuck Missler asks. And he says, "How many of you are in full time ministry?" And you know, one or two people raise your hand. He's like, "Okay, how many of you are Christians?" It's like everybody raises their hands. Okay, how many of you are in full time ministry? You know. You're you're in the army. You said yes, and so therefore you have a mission and a ministry because you are a Christian. Yeah, 
Yeah, how many of you are infantrymen? And then right, they raise their hand. Yeah. How many of you are in the army? Okay, so now how yeah. many of you are infantrymen? Right, like <laughs> yeah, every yeah. every uh, every uh, marines a rifleman. Right, I think is their slogan. Like, yep, yep. So. And, and I and I and, you know, and that's the thing is, I think where it's that's why I love like the idea of the auxiliary, the the guerrilla force, the clan. You know, you got those in the supporting elements because there are those that, you know, that like like those people. I know there are some women like all they do is pray, and they literally play for pray for hours a day just for the people within the body. No, that will, is an amazing ministry. I will say that about the Pentecostal church, man. There's a, a church in Louisiana. Um, I, I think it's a oneness Pentecostal church, right? Um, so a lot of legalism behind it. But they, th this church has had 24-hour prayer occurring in their sanctuary for like 70 years, right? Like, so they've... They have a schedule. People come in from all over the world that are part of the apostolic church yeah. and they just replace and like they pick up praying before the other person stops. That that's beautiful, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I get the legalism behind it. There's like this idea that I prayed in the church, you know, like yeah. they get some pride behind it. But I mean, they're taking prayer very seriously. Yeah. Right? They're taking talking to the living God. Very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what, what would you say are some of the main things we should teach um, our disciples? Right. I've, and I, I get that we should teach them how to teach. Right. Yeah. Um, but what are some of the main things that you think we should start with? Is it is it prayer? Is it how to read the Bible? Is it um, obviously the essentials? Right. So talking about the crucifixion and who Jesus is. Yeah is and who he isn't right i think those are things that are important but where, where do you start you know i i usually start on the relationship side okay you know, how do you how do you how do you cultivate this relationship with the lord mm. because it's kind of all based on that you know what i mean like because because i can give you knowledge in the bible you know but again like knowledge puffs up but love edifies you know you and i can sit here and bash each other over the head over like predestination and regeneration preaching faith and you know one way or another, you know we can beat each other over theology or we can love one another and mm. being brothers in Christ, have a discussion on, okay, here's my viewpoint. Let's go to the text. You know what I mean? And so yeah, yeah, yeah. knowledge, knowledge. And so I, it, from that standpoint, I think that how do we cultivate that relationship and be filled with God's love? And, and then how do we love him? And so, you know, I think that, that developing that intimacy, you know, intimacy through prayer, intimacy through worship, intimacy through that time in the word, you know, how do you study your Bible? Wow. You know, but, but again, but again, standpoint of not, not just to gain information, but to know God better, to know what he has stated, to know what he requires of me to know. So it's kind of taken that again, that, that pursuit of relationship is like, I think the most important and then allowing that to then bleed in. And then it's the fun part of like, okay, what is your calling? Where is, where can you do ministry? You know, what gifts has he given you? And that's, you know, that's another thing I think is so beautiful. That is an awesome opportunity that I think is so often missed for pastors. It's like, do you know who your evangelists are? Do you know who your, who your teachers are? Do you yeah. know what gifting, you know, or, or do you have people within your body who are in leadership that can help identify people? And then I'm all right. Does that, that make sense? I you know it's absolutely important because I currently in the church that I just took over, it's, uh, I don't know. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's been three weeks, but I don't know. Right? It takes, and like it takes it may, time. It, maybe, 
right? Why don't I know yet? Right? Yeah. I need to, I really need to invest into these individuals more, right? Not just on Sundays, but yeah, who is who and, and what do, what gifts do they have? Um, I, so what I do me personally, right? So I, I'm, I saw John MacArthur in 2020 basically give the the middle finger to the United States government and, or at least the state of California. Yeah. And he stood and said, you will not tell me how to lead God's church. Yeah. Right. And he did not close his doors. And there was this very small moment when I was like, just watching. I was like, come on, John, you're going to get people sick. And then like, I, I felt conviction for like having that thought. I was like, no, Right. Like, no, like, I don't care if I don't care about like, like that. Right. Like this is not our home. Anyways, people get sick and go to heaven. Then right. By by all means, they get to go be with the Lord. (laughs) You do not tell us how to have church because where, where does, where does the, where does it end? Right. Yeah. Okay. We, we stopped you here. We can stop you there. Meanwhile, like, and this is one of the things I think they use in their court cases. Like you're telling us to stop, but strip clubs are still occurring. Yep. Right. Like how, how does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I, so I, I'm, I'm currently teaching the men in my church and I, and I'm doing it slowly through prayer, like uh, preaching. I kind of put this into each sermon, um, that we don't compromise. Yeah. We stand on those essentials. We don't allow the world to tell us how to, uh, operate as Christians and how to believe in Jesus. Yeah. Right. And we don't let the world change Jesus into its image. And then tell us it's okay to worship that Jesus, right? And I, I'm trying to build this like this this sense of like matter of factness, and then you don't budge on that. Yeah, this is who Jesus is. Anything else is a false gospel, and that person should be a curse, right? That person is anathema. Yeah, and you turn them over to the devil so that in hopes that you know they 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 gain their their yeah their soul, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, so I mean, right now that's where I'm at. Um, but I, th- I think you're right. I need to know who is who, what gifts they have, how to how to develop them, how what's their personality traits. How do we turn that into um, a method at which they evangelize? Right. Um, to I mean, I got a I got a lot to think about there and how to program that and build the curriculum around that. But no, that's that's edifying, man. Thank you. That's good. Yeah, man. And I think it's exciting too that you're working with men because this is where I think us as men. We, we really, uh, it kind of goes back to the, the, the idea that the church, and you know, this, like the church is what we do on Sunday. Whereas yeah. as, as men, you know, we are going to be held responsible for how we let our families and raise our children, you know? So are we as men acting as kind of the head, the shepherd of the family, you know, are you leading your family in prayer? Are you training your children in the word and in the Lord? And, you know, it, it just, are you discipling your children? Because really that's our first ministry. Yeah. And, you know, as pastors, for pastor's kids, that's that usually they're not being ministered to. They're not being taken care of because the church, yeah. it's like it, it's so as as and that's the exciting thing is for me as a dad seeing that. And so one of the things that we do is like we read through the Bible every year, you know, and then that's we discuss wonderful. it. We talk about it. We pray about it, you know, and, and so that way by the time because the fact and you know this like with TikTok with the Dan McClellan's and the higher critical scholarship and the Bartman's and all the stuff they're going to get exposed to once they get out in the world. Most kids get chewed up, spat back out. They deconstruct. And, and, and really, it's more than just, oh, they saw some information. 
you know, you can see the information, higher critical scholarship, but if you're actually taught to logically think through it, understand its history and all that stuff, you realize it's just bunk. It was based, a lot of it's based on presuppositions that like, oh, there was no writing in Moses day. They didn't trade in camels and oh, well, what do you know? Like all these things that these ideas and theories they had uh, regard and so why Moses couldn't have written the Bible, they've all been debunked. Yet we still maintain the documentary hypothesis and basically consider it true, you yeah. know? So, I mean, so beyond, obviously that's, it's going a bit deeper on that and with, than I do sometimes with my daughter. But the thing is though, is like, you know, I, we're responsible for equipping our children. I think we're going to answer for that on a, on a much greater scale than we realize. Generationally. In our families. Yeah. Right. When yeah. you look down your family line, like, you know, God willing, you live to see your great grandchildren, you know, um, and, and, you know, your grandchild turns out to be a turd. You know, you probably had something to do with that somewhere along that line. Yeah. Now, people are people, right? People, yep. you can't be responsible for everything our children do. Exactly. Right? Um, but, I mean, oftentimes we, we as parents cause a, like that nurture, nature and nurture. Yeah. That nurture causes a lot of problems. Um, yeah. And so I think with the men in my church, I want to lead them to lead their families, right? And they, yep. and I think it starts with that biblical foundation yeah. and then moves into, you know, just their, their households, yeah. right? So, um, no, nah, man, that's wonderful. All right, so um, I guess, the, so we're at the top of the, uh, beyond the hour, so we're about an hour, 13 minutes, um, and we always close out our episodes with uh, the gospel, um, so Paul, if you don't mind just telling our viewers uh, what the gospel is, um, and just quickly, like, you don't, I mean, if you want to make it long winded, I'm all for it. If you want to just make it, don't make it too short. Yeah. I mean, and by yeah, the way, I, I heard it. what he said there, pre, uh, uh, regeneration precedes faith. Just, just so everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, go for it, brother. But, um, so, uh, r- real quick, I do want to say if, if you guys do want resources on like the whole UAP thing, Chuck Missler actually did write a book. You can get it on audible called alien encounters with Mark Eastman. Uh, and that just kind of approaches us like, Hey, here's stuff from a Christian standpoint. So you have information. Who was this guy? Like Chuck is like, so he actually funny, is like, I didn't even know who he was and I'm reading his book. Like I didn't know him as an author. Like I didn't know the author that well. I just knew, yeah. okay, this is Chuck's book, right? Yeah. On, on Romans. And I, I'm going through his like commentary on it. Um, and all of a sudden I had a, I had a roof customer who was like, Hey, I, I don't know what church you go to, but I just, she wanted to share the gospel with me. Right. And I was like, Oh, That's I'm going to awesome. listen to this. Right. Yeah. And she's like, you know, me and my church, were going through some stuff that Chuck, um, Chuck wrote and that he's, um, what did she say? I, I don't want to say that she said he was anointed. Um, but she's like, he's the most amazing teacher I've ever heard. Um, yeah. and we're actually going over Romans and I'm like, I'm literally going over that same book right now. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, so, right. But like, it, and then you bring it up. So it's like, and he's dead, right? He's yeah. Dead. Yeah. He died yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. That's, that's see. And that's a wonderful legacy, right? People are talking yeah. about you and yeah. the, the effects of your, of your ministry and your faithfulness and your obedience beyond your, your life, you know? Yeah. All glory to God. So he, he actually, uh, prior to the ministry, he was, uh, in the contracting world. Uh, his company did the electronics on the B2 when it was compartmentalized. That's right. So, I mean, he, he was a connected guy. 
uh, when it came to the government and, and, and a lot of those things. So he had, he had insights and plus his, he, I think his PhD was in mathematics and information sciences, uh, and his master's was in biblical studies. So, I mean, the guy, the guy was all over the place and God definitely used that. And that's why I love the way he approaches. He the was text. in the Navy, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah I believe he was. He was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, but yeah, but yeah, brother, if you want to close us out with the gospel, yeah, I'd appreciate it, bud. So, you know, gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose the third day according to the scriptures. He didn't die for, I, I love um, what J. Vernon McGee says. He didn't die for our improvement. He didn't die for our benefit. He died to save us. You know, I think that is 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 so lost sometimes that we as as humans we have fallen short of God's glory of the glory of God we we've sinned we've broken God's law we are we are separated from him judicially and we deserve it right it's not because God is this mean god in the sky that just hates mankind just wants to see everybody burn it's it's that he is just and he is righteous and he is holy but that's the beauty of it and that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Amen. and so even in, in our sin, in our rebellion, God sends his son and says, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to make it. So I will provide. Yes, Lord. I will do it. But, but he, see, what's beautiful about that is even, even in the creation, the, the creation itself is an act of love because God created knowing the predicament we would get himself in and what the cost would be to redeem us. And yet he still did it. I mean, that, that to me just... I can't fathom that depth of love. And, you know, my, when I think about this, we, we talk about the love of Jesus and, and it is vast, it is deep, it is amazing. And going to the cross and bearing our sins in, in experiencing a separation from the father that we cannot even fathom. But, you know, I remember my wife and I, when, when we, when I was, before I went to Afghanistan, we, we lost a pregnant, our first pregnancy. And I remember hearing the heartbeat. I remember and anybody that's, and you, you've got kids, you know that when you hear that heartbeat and you see that, that kid on the screen, you just yeah. fall in love with that. Absolutely. Kid. And then I remember them saying, you're going to lose it. Just and my, we had to stay there. And I remember them just searching for that heartbeat and just nothing coming across those speakers and just, just dying inside. And then we lost another, the second one when I was overseas, my wife had to carry it for a while which was pretty rough. Um, and I, I remember just the, the lengths at which I would go to trade places and that amount of love I had for that baby and that child in that moment. And yet God in heaven watches as they spit on, as they mock, as they ridicule, as they torture, as they crucify his son. Mm. And he does nothing. He doesn't intervene. He lets it happen. Mm. Like, I cannot imagine that depth of love because I think that the father suffered too in that as a father. I, 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 can't, I can't fathom that, watching that happen to my child, and yet God does it willingly. I mean, that, that depth of love for us is just so beyond what I can even comprehend. It, it just breaks my heart to think about it, but yet that's the love he has for us. And so 
what does he say? He says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Acts 16, 31. John 20, 31. These are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you have life in his name. We have forgiveness through his blood. He paid the price. And so what do we do? We respond in faith to that call of the gospel. Believe in the Lord Jesus. He's, he's, he did everything. It's all him. So that's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to scripture. He was buried and rose the third day according to the scriptures. And it's a beautiful message. And it's the most beautiful love letter you could ever ask for. But it shows the, the depth and the, the horror of sin and the cost of our rebellion. But the beautiful thing in it all is, is that we don't have to remain that way. And God has already provided. He's done everything. It's a beautiful gift. You just have to trust and believe in Christ for it. Amen, brother. That's wonderful. Um, thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, it, Paul, where can people find you? Like they want to uh, you know, get to know you, get some, be discipled by you or by, by somebody that you're discipling, or if yeah. they want, you know, to get some curriculum or some just literature or something that you got going on. Um, how- yes. So they can reach out to me. Um, Paul at the warriors That's an email, uh, kind of like a, a, a central ministry email. Um, I am on TikTok as Paul Bach, P A U L B O C K. Um, that's that's just a, a thing I do. Obviously, that's just that's that's more just watching. That's not so much like reaching out. But feel free to reach out to me at Paul at the Warriors Rising at Gmail or Paul at the Warriors Rising dot com. So that's that's kind of like the main the main email that people can reach yeah. out to me at. Awesome. All right, guys. Um, thank you so much for hanging out with the Doctrines of Brad today. Um, thank you, Paul, for coming out and just sharing um, just a wealth of knowledge. I do appreciate it. Uh, Until next time, um, we'll see y'all later. Merry Christmas. God bless.